Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Yo, what's going on? Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 78 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for joining. Today is an absolutely fun episode that Shani and I had. Um, we had been kind of putting parts of this together for the past couple of weeks, uh, specifically around just discussing some prism stuff and some optic hollow stuff. And we talk about that in the beginning. We talk about really is prism football silvers. Is that is that phenomena here to stay? Is Panini solidified that in the marketplace? Um, and then we talk about we kind of transition into the basketball side. What it, what is happening on the optic hollow side? What is the response as a collector, as an investor? What should you be doing? And really what's happening? Like what, what is really driving some of this? Um, and so I think you'll get a lot out of that. Uh, we, we, we break down some analytics and we also just give some kind of off the cuff thoughts on it. Now, bear with the first five minutes. We get into a little Steelers argument and uh, Mason Rudolph discussion. And uh, go figure. Shani and I talk and argue about the Steelers. But uh, it's still fun. But the fun part is the second half of this episode. Shani and I have been talking about doing this for a while because we always have these phone calls. We're talking about things that we both notice in the hobby, things that we notice in our own selves. Like, hey, you ever notice that guy walking into Target and you're eyeing him thinking he's going to go in there and steal your cards? Like that's stuff that I deal with and Shani deals with. And we thought, you know what, let's let's write down some of these things that are kind of the irony, some of the fun little nuances that we deal with as adults in, in the sports card hobby. And so we have multiple topics, multiple kind of subjects that we, we dive into. And I think it's a really fun discussion. We would love to know your feedback on the, the topics that we bring up. I think it'd be great to hear kind of some of the things you guys deal with. And I think you'll relate to some of the ones that I, that I bring up in the, and Shani and I both bring up in this conversation. But uh, the hobby is fun. This is a fun, fun hobby. Some of it's uh, just an escape for a lot of us. And some of it's just, you know, we're just – we're just dealing with it because we, we want to go make a buck, you know, that's how we look at it. And so there's, there's those different spectrums that you, you kind of have to kind of measure things against. And it's really fun debate, really fun topic. So enjoy that conversation. Um, you're going to mention, you can hear us mention a couple times the discord channel, which is our free chat channel. Um, the discord channel is really simple. Click the link in the show notes. There's about 130 people in there now. Um, a lot of, a lot of active people, guys, I've gotten so much from our discord community, been able to, th- to throw out, Hey, what do you guys think about this topic or this product? What do you guys think about grading this card, being able to help folks with that and be able to talk about, you know, new products coming out. What are you guys seeing in Walmart and targets? Very, very good spot to just exchange quick ideas. The community we've built in there, uh, or that is just organically built is really fun. There's some fun users um, and I think you'll get to to know some of the guys and, and gals in there and you'll like it. So go join the Discord community. You'll also hear us mention the Patreon group. That has grown tremendously. I continue to push a ton of analytics out there and uh, and I keep trying to advance those. I had a really fun NBA uh, report that I put out a couple days ago that uh, got a very favorable response. And I put a lot of time into it just to give folks a different look at ways to invest in NBA cards and ways to look at value for NBA players. And so I combined a bunch of external metrics and 
and some hobby metrics. So if you are a Patreon member, it is a paid membership. You get access to all this analytical uh, insights that we're putting out. You get access to all of that the second you join. And uh, I think you'll get a lot of benefit out of that. I guarantee you that you will make your 15 or $35 back in, uh, in just return um, or just savings from making a bad investment just from the insight that we're putting out there. So be sure to go take that, take a look at that. The link is in the show notes as well. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for supporting Breaker Culture and have an amazing week. See ya. Hey, Shanique, what's going on? What's up, Ty? How you been, man? Good. Good. Suffering through some Las Vegas trade show minutiae this who. week. Yeah, I know, right? Who freaking who? I'd pay double whatever you paid to be in Vegas right now. Oh, my goodness. No, you wouldn't. You didn't pay anything, dude. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I love you Vegas, made a great deal. Man. What do you love about Vegas so much? Like, what is it that if, if you're to boil it down to one or two things, what would you, what would you say? If I had to just choose one or two things, it's very simple poker and food. So I make an annual trip to Vegas with my best friend. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned him many times. He's the, the doctor over in Chicago. We went to the summer league together last summer. Um, and pretty much outside of whatever thing we're potentially going there for, like the summer league and to be honest, most of the time there isn't a particular draw outside of poker and football. Uh, excuse me, poker and food. Mm. Um, our mo is hit the tables after a, a, like a lazy morning and breakfast, play for eight to ten hours with a little bit of a break for lunch, and then go out for a really nice dinner. I mean, the food out there is almost unrivaled. Yeah, you've got New York and Man. Paris and L.A. and the, but I mean, some of the best food in the world out there. You can keep um, it. You can have it all. Take it. Hey, man, it's get, not for everybody. I'm not. Give me the mountains and there the grill, go. and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy. But hey, but hey, we're podcasting regardless. You're sitting yeah. in cold, dreary Pittsburgh, and I'm here in live. How uh, was what bustling what's the temperature like out there? Mid seventies. It's actually really nice. Like Whatever. walking out, it's like you uh, know what it's like back in Cape. Yeah, no, exactly. It's terrible. It's snowing when I left. Your family's freezing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to you a couple of days ago, and I said, "Oh, it's funny. I was coming back from Chicago, and everyone was freaking out in Chicago, trying to hustle back home because they were worried about some big storm coming." I get back to Pittsburgh, and it's like 60s. Well, literally the next day, it snowed three inches. <laughs> And today, which is the next day after that, the snow's all gone. It hasn't climbed back up to 60, but it all melted, and now we've just got slush and nastiness uh, all over the place. I love the Midwest. Yeah, you got to love it. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. You and I, we've, we've built this agenda, and we've, we've added to it like five times, and I feel like we could spend five hours talking through all this stuff, so we'll have to be – relatively yeah, no brief on some stuff but let's just get the nfl out of the way because you and i have okay. lost a little bit of excitement about the nfl the last few weeks 
rightfully so. What what's got basically you, once basketball starts for, for you sure. and I we we get laser you know, and look I realize yeah we have a lot of folks that might listen that are bigger football fans and bigger football collectors and it's no knock on anybody get more power to you do what makes you happy but you and I particularly see a very eye to eye on a lot of things and two of those things in particular are a how much we enjoy basketball as a sport and how much we appreciate and respect basketball card collecting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once once you know the NBA season started, I think that was an inevitable thing for us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, let's look at it from a hobby perspective. I mean, what what one or two things have you kind of turning on the TV the rest of this year, rest of the season for NFL? What comes to mind? I mean. I know I'm going to be called a homer, and I don't. You know how much I care, but aside from the fact that my nine and oh, my over under on nine wins bet for the Steelers <laughs> looked like it was potentially one of the worst bets ever, is now looking like it's got a chance. But as it pertains to the hobby specifically, even people that might hate the Steelers, and I know there are a lot of them out there, can't deny the fact that. Mason Rudolph is one of those guys that's got to be looked at. If you're into the hobby for whether whether it's for collecting or investing, whether it's for this quick flip or the long term, Mason Rudolph is one of those guys you got to be thinking about. No, you and, know. Oh, come, come on, on, dude. dude. He's a game manager. He's barely going to put up stats to get anyone excited. You, he you, just plays for they, Pittsburgh. They have closed. Okay. Okay, he's going to be a starting quarterback for one of the best franchises in the history of the game, potentially for the next decade. Roethlisberger okay. is a Hall of Famer, and you yeah, could argue he that he is worth a fraction of what he should be. I agree, which is still a decent buck. I mean, if you go look at his autos from early, forget rookie year, early part of his career, they're 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 undervalued, but they're they're still a pretty chunk of change i mean you can't get one for more than for less than a couple hundred bucks Mm. you know so look i'm not i didn't sit here and say he's the best buy i'm not calling him saquon you said he's hobby relevant do you really believe he's hobby relevant outside of pittsburgh 100 percent. give me two reasons why i just did he's the Quarterback for the Steelers. That, like, I just told you, it didn't really matter because Ben Roethlisberger's been an incredible quarterback. It still matters. You wouldn't say that Ben Roethlisberger is not a good buy over the past 10, 15 years. He's still a starting quarterback in this league, a league that essentially has about at least a third, if not half, the teams that don't have a quarterback that's worth speaking of. Not to mention, how many times have we talked about football as two guys that are more heavily into basketball? as we just stated. And we say that if you're going to be into football, you don't really want to focus much more on anything but a quarterback. And there's only 30 of them. Here, here's, here's and the really, thing. it's less than that. So you're telling me that a starting quarterback for one of the most important franchises in the game isn't one of the top 20 guys to consider, let alone at the position, which is the most important position for the hobby. I am. I'm telling oh, you, a guy. Crazy. Oh, mate, a guy that's started how many games now? Nine, ten. 
That's, that's actually my point. You're, he's you know, thrown, you're getting in on the ground floor. He hasn't thrown over 250 yards. It's not he hasn't thrown over two stats. touchdowns yet. Opened, it's not fair to talk about his stats. <laughs> he doesn't have a team. No, it's really not. He do, He's starting. He doesn't have a great offense. It's, this team is not winning because of offense. This team is winning because of defense and Minka Fitzpatrick taking basically Ooh, a pick six awesome, a game. By the way. Minka's amazing. And they have closed the playbook to him. They're using maybe 20% of the playbook. They're not letting him play. I'm not sure I can you know, state that that's a mistake. I'm not an NFL coach, and I'm not really one that can analyze X's and O's that closely to a degree that uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to really sound like I'm talking about something that I know. I, I really don't. What I do know for certain, though, is that he's not being given an opportunity to throw the ball, to really make plays. But when they feel confident that he has learned the playbook, that he has gotten to the point, and by the way, it's also the guys around him. He's not working with much. It's basically a lot of first and second year guys and Juju. Hmm. Would, so, you, would you invest in Mason Rudolph or Kyler Murray right now? It's not a fair comparison. It's not even close to the same price. If the money was no object, and I'm not a Steelers fan, Kyler Murray. Okay. It's certainly not a fair comparison. I, I never said he was Kyler Murray. In fact, I just said a moment ago, he's not Saquon. You can just replace Saquon with Kyler. I'm not saying he's a top five guy in the hobby, but he's certainly relevant. Well, when guys, I, mean, I, I think football fans aren't out there saying, who are the one or two guys I can spend all my money in and that's it? There are guys there's, that do that. But you and I, that's the point, right? That's why we don't pay attention to football as much is because there's really only five or six guys that will ever – be worthy of a quote investment in football because nobody else really matters in the hobby. Yes, it's great to collect. I agree. Mason Rudolph's awesome. It's going to be fun to watch him for the Steelers, but that doesn't mean he's going to be some hobby star or even someone you should spend money on. Just a good guy to collect. Well, certainly I agree with that as a Steelers fan. I would argue that the upside is there for him to become one of those guys. Let's say he becomes as good as Ben Roethlisberger. Well, then there's no, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's a no-brainer that he'll become as good as Ben Roethlisberger. I'm saying if he were to become as good as Ben Roethlisberger, it's a no-brainer that you would have done this. You would have gotten into him. I'll be happy. I've got a fair amount of Mason Rudolph stuff. You know, I'm not even selling it yet, which you would argue now is definitively the time to sell because the chances are he's not going to go much further than where he is now. Because that's the chance for everybody in football. Yeah, for sure. But there's only going to last for three years, and you're not going to amount to a hundred percent. But the reason you buy into guys right now when they're 24, like Mason Rudolph is, is because you see something in them that you think is going to make them great and worthy of spending money on them right now. And that was my point. I guess I don't see that. I think, man, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback, but he's not going to be a great mm. quarterback. Well, you just said he's going to be pretty good or he's going to be great. Pretty good doesn't mean anything in pretty NFL. Good, pretty good doesn't great. make you money in the NFL. Just doesn't. No, I mean, look, if you're hitting, if you're trying for the home run on every card you buy, then you're right. You know? I don't know that either that's my goal or everybody's goal out there or even something that I can afford to do. I'm definitely not trying to hit a home run on every card I buy. 
Yeah, well, yeah, of course. You don't you're not going to triple your money and I'm not even saying that's what it's about because it's you're collecting your team. We both collect our teams. That's what it's about. Right. But you just yeah. I'm sure there's all Steelers fans. I'll just we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> this will well, be I'm, this will be fun to talk about next year. Here's the point. Do you think there are non-Steelers fans out there buying Mason Rudolph stuff right now? Very few. Very few. I, I bet if we poll the audience, less than 20% are going out and actively buying Mason Rudolph. I mean, I, our audience isn't necessarily the fairest litmus test for that. These are plugged in <laughs> Who people is? that know their stuff. That's the point. Well, I, I think you go to eBay and you know take a look at how many sales there are and figure out how many of them have been bought by a guy from Pittsburgh. <laughs> Name Shani Pelly. <laughs> nah, I haven't bought a Mason single ever. I got everything I have through breaks. Um, That's the awesome. I think the guys that saw he was going to start probably went out and bought him to flip. Were unfortunately disappointed yeah. after two weeks when his prices dropped instead of rose. So they're they're now they're yeah, thinking, do I hold it? Probably, it's it's going to be a slow rise. But as you said. As historically has been for Steelers, all Steelers. I mean, unless you're talking about guys from the 70s. Yep. Slow rise. Well, anyway, enough of the Steelers. Darn it, you did it again. Uh You sucked us into the vortex Uh of Pittsburgh (laughs) Steeler. We we try to avoid this every time, and you you always win this battle. It's all right. Um, What else? Outside of the Pittsburgh world, I mean, we can watch Kyler. And Kyler's performing well. So, yeah. so let me before we get into that. So he, let me give you an interesting stat. So obviously, Prism's been out about a month now for football. Second year with Silvers being one per box. Yeah. Here we are a month after release, and I put all these stats out there. A lot of them for Patreon, but here we are a month after release. We have twelve players where their raw Silvers are selling for over fifty dollars. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I mean, I, I kind of have to, I have to admit, Benini did it right. Is that I think a, that was well, the right decision that, to make. Right, or I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not exactly fair to compare it to basketball, as we've said in the past, because I mean, you're talking about. How many guys over fifty dollars with basketball, but more importantly, how many guys over a hundred and how many guys approaching, you know, far over a hundred, whatever that number yeah. cut off you want to make it, you know? You're I mean, well, I think the the rubber meets the road six months from now. Right? Or even a year from now. When we look back at these and we'll say, Okay, we'll shoot. Kyler Murray's still two hundred bucks, but nobody else is fifty. Because in the NBA, like you said, I mean, you got ten guys over a hundred bucks, you know. It's a little different, right. but I mean, still in fairness, Panini in a couple years, all of a sudden created a relevant base card, a relevant non-auto, non-memorabilia card, and they didn't have that in NFL, and they needed it. I think it's I think it's good, the really good thing for the hobby, for collecting. I, I guess if you're saying that based on the qualification of there being that many guys selling for over fifty bucks right now, only a month after the product's been out. I would argue that you don't even have to wait a year, but what are the prices of those silvers after two, three, four more releases in this given year? And how how relevant is it even in the short term this season? 
Because right now, Prism's got the stage to itself for the most part. Correct. Yeah, so, and, and I think what we're seeing is that supply and demand, and supply specifically, really is a is an important thing that we take for granted, and that Panini's created no. demand because they just they cut the supply. That I could, yeah, no question. In the short term, especially while Prism has the stage to itself. Yep. Itchy finger buyers are going to dig into their pockets. I would argue that's a poor strategy. And why would you argue that? Talking about so Kyler Murray, why would you dig it? Why would you not think that's a good strategy? What what backs that up? Is that just your gut? Yeah, totally. It's just my gut saying that if you were to, if we're not talking about Kyler Murray, and you were to hit the break. Mm-hmm. And say, let me wait until two, three more releases come to market and Prism has to fend for itself against some competition. Mm-hmm. What are the prices then? I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'd place a bet out there right now that I won't be. That, that what did you say? How many folks? It's 10 or 12 that are going for above $50 right now? Mm hmm. I would say after two, three more releases come to market and we're in January, that's cut at least in half. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, because it's gonna it's only the quarterbacks at that point. Yeah. Right? And then, yeah. That's, that's why I'm saying I don't have yep. any data to back it up. I'm saying my gut tells me that considering the circumstances, it's absolutely the right time to be selling Prism. Well, so I mean, on the flip side, right? You look at what what are the rookies from last year selling for? And you had, I mean, you have Baker. Yeah, I, granted, he's dropped a little bit. I mean, he was selling seven hundred, eight hundred bucks. PSA ten, Prism Silver. What was a raw going for? Uh, about the same price, two hundred bucks. You talking about like on release? No, I'm saying, you're when you say that seven hundred dollars is what's a. a, a 10 is going for mm-hmm. what is a raw going for right now at the same time well there's not any out there so i mean you can't find them so it's hard to really tell you what they're they're going for. oh wow they're, they're very hard to find um wow okay yeah um but I, I i would i would guess i would guess somewhere around 200 yeah 200 I mean, to 700 wow yeah Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Actually, I mean, look, you're looking somewhere between three fifty, three hundred, oh. raw, and, and actually the last PSA ten sold for about eight hundred. So, so there you go. I mean, there, there is definitely a market for the silvers wow. that was just created overnight. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Which, which. Interesting. Yeah, and it, I mean. We're looking at you know the demise of a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's, <laughs> I mean, talk about exhibit, exhibit A of why you just should never risk putting money in a running back or a receiver. Yeah. I mean, I mean, granted, Saquon's got a lot of time left in his career. Yes. But and he's in New York. And he's in New York, and he's an awesome character. But man, oh man, I mean, he's just getting his knees cut off from under him. No, no pun intended crazy yeah i i don't understand a franchise that goes and drafts a guy like that and doesn't protect them yeah it's mind-blowing sad 
actually. It is. Well, here's the list real quick. So Kyler's at 220. Daniel's at two. Daniel Jones about 200. Drew Locke is at 85, which is crazy. Ryan Finley at 70. Mahomes, first non-rookie in the top five, is at uh, 71. Gardner Minshew. Whoa, his, you're saying his second year silver? Second year silver is at 71. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. uh, Gardner Minshew in two weeks dropped from 120 average to 62 average. So basically 50% cut. Uh, Tom Brady's around 50. And then Josh Jacobs at 57. And this is what I love the most. Number 10, Nick Bosa, 55. I love seeing defensive players up there. Huh. I, I agree. I'm surprised Devin Bush is in a little bit higher. I shouldn't say higher. I don't know where he is. He's 16 bucks. He's yeah. about 24. Huh. Dude's <laughs> basically like the second best player on the defense right now. Yeah. He isn't really. He just has a lot of stats. He's actually getting blown a lot in certain coverage packages, but he's playing very well and has a lot of tackles, including some turnovers. But back on the Steelers. Yeah. I'm not even going to respond to it. <laughs> um, so that, so there you go. The, this is a fascinating – this is going to be fun to watch for sure. I'm going to keep is. documenting this because I think what Panini's done here is really important for the football hobby, football card hobby. So I think I think it – It is. It, stability there is important. I'm excited to watch it. We'll leave it, it will be very. I, I definitely want to revisit in January and see what's happened after a few releases and how the, how the how those ten have held up. I'm, I'm what I suspect is what I said about half will have dropped, but then a good number of them will actually have gone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because because the silvers were kind of swaying the price a little bit for different teams. You saw like the Patriots and yeah. the Chiefs actually top seven for most valuable teams in breaks this year. It's interesting. And it's like, you don't, you don't normally see that. I mean, obviously when you have Tom Brady autos floating around products, Patriots become really relevant, but they didn't, they didn't have a top rookie. No. I mean, you got Stedham, but that's not a top rookie. And, and you got McCall Hardman, but that's not a top rookie. Mahomes and Brady. Their silvers and colored propelled them into the top 10 of the list. Pretty neat. I like it. It's pretty wild. It yep. is cool. Yeah, very cool. But anyway, enough of football. Let's talk about basketball real quick. <laughs> what is going on with Optic Hollows, man? Tell the world what's going on with Optic Hollows. You, you've loved Optic for a long time. You and I, I have both I, been preaching it. It's, it's funny because on one hand, before I would have said, how is it that I'm – seeing something that other people aren't or that, you know, I, I, I value this card because I love the look of it. And I, I don't know, I, we've had, you can go back into the archives and listen to us rant about optic hollows and how undervalued they were. And that day is over. Are they overvalued and, now? That's a good question. <laughs> did, did the market I, sure overreact? Yeah, I'm sure some of them are, um, and there will be a rebound and a leveling off, like is the case in most situations yep. like this. Um, you know, FOMO hits people in different ways. For and sure. In this hobby, FOMO hits people in their pockets, and 
people overreact. Oh, I gotta have this. I gotta have that. You know. Yeah. I, there's definitely a time in my hobby experience where I was more guilty of that than I am today. I'm far more disciplined than I used to be. Um, I, but I, but I, as far as this topic is concerned, I'm really happy that ever since Optic ever started, I've been into that product and into the sil- hollows or silvers, whatever you want to call it, hollows, just because yeah. I liked mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And so I'm lucky in that respect, and you know, I haven't even started to sell anything. Yeah, that's it's fun. You and I have been talking about some of the stuff we've been holding. It's like, man, we that just that accelerated quick. Like yeah. all of a sudden, those 3,200 count boxes became really valuable. You know what's interesting? What's that? It's not entirely different from how it, Prism Silver started to get yeah, that's a good point hyper popular overnight. Uh, what was it? it? Twelve, thirteen was when they started being made, but it wasn't till like fifteen, 14, sixteen. Yeah, I was just gonna say either fourteen, fifteen, or fifteen, sixteen. That all of a sudden there was this uptick, and people were talking about it, and some people were arguing that eh, it's just a cu- a couple, handful, few, whatever, small yep. group of collectors that were artificially inflating prices so that they can sell the overload that they have in their coffers well even if that was initially the intention the the hype is still here yeah for prism silvers and yeah if that kind of hype has bled over i'm okay with it i think optic is a nicer looking product personally i think it's the i think it's a great combination of the shiny technology and more of a traditional looking card. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to put it. What, what do you think? And I, we'll talk about the stats here in a minute. But what do you think has kind of shifted in the mindset of people to all of a sudden care to spend a bunch of money on these? Do you think it's just some of the talking <sighs> heads like us trying to tout in the horn for a while and it's finally catching on? Or do you think there's something else that we're not seeing? I think it may be that. I think it may be that, you know, there's a handful of players out there that people don't have the opportunity to invest in for the kind of money they were hoping to spend yep. otherwise. And here, oh, I can just jump in here. And as long as you were early on, you were getting the guys that you wanted in a better price range than you would for Prism Silvers. Right. Um, that day is over. But, you know, yeah, if you jumped on it early, that, that, and I think that phenomenon started to kind of show itself. And yeah, so everybody else jumped on it. I think that's it. I think it may also be that because last year in particular, folks probably do realize now or realized even last year that prison basketball seemed to have been really overprinted compared mm-hmm. to years past. Whereas optic may have been printed around the same or less, and that was never really that much to begin with. Yeah, well, and and to add to that, and probably the most important part of that is that optic hollows are harder to hit than silvers. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. like you, you think, okay, well, there's a lot of both of these products. It's not even remotely close to how much harder it is to hit a hollow, and then you factor just the difficulty in getting a good grade on some of these cards. That's why you're seeing these crazy multiples for PSA 10s or BGS 9.5s and some rare cases BGS 10s because it's 
it's really hard on square cards like that with the you know the outer edge square to have good good centering. Well, because of a border, right? I yeah, mean, because the border, of the border. makes yep. it so much harder to. Yep. Without a border like prism, a little bit of off-centered cut is not going to show as significantly. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I have to say it shocks me when I see any card of any kind, regardless of the design, in today's day and age with the technology available, that centering is still an issue. Yeah. I, one part I of me is like, this is stupid. Like, why can't we get this fixed? The other part of me is like, you know what? If, they, if, if, if everything was perfect, we wouldn't have grading and we'd have a bunch of I agree robotic with buyers and sellers. But that that's all fine and good. However, I think there are so many other factors that go into grading beyond just centering that you would still have, a, you know, a, a disparity. You know, you would still have a range, a spectrum in in grades because you know different people take care of their cards differently. You've For got sure. surface, yeah. surface you've got and corners, corners. Yep, yep. All that stuff. Centering in and of itself. Oh, man, if I pull a Zion this year, that's off-centered i'm pissed yeah well i mean that's the thing though it's the printing stuff is not just it's not just centering like the surface is a printing issue too like most of the time surface is not because someone dropped it it's because there were scratches on it that came from the printer right and the edges well you got some of that stuff peeling on the edges and you can't control that so yeah there's people that take care of their cards although i would i would argue that maybe i'm wrong because i don't i don't i don't get involved in grading very much but I would I would think that more often than not, if you have an issue getting a good grade from a card that just literally went through no difficulty whatsoever other than coming straight out of the pack with some type of blemish, that blemish is nine times out of ten centering. No, and not even close. Corner, no? Yeah, not, no. I, my assumption is that corners, edges, surface, more oh, often for sure than not. not yeah. is, corners – Corners are probably the easiest, you know, like you're, you're going to get most consistent with corners, but you'd be surprised with how many cards come out with surface issues. Uh, that, that was a big deal with prism, but that it was not centering for prism last year. It was surface. So what do you mean when you say surface? Like, what, so you what, had, what am you, I with, with the surface, you have those little bubbles that you, if you look really closely, if you just lift it up and kind of look at an angle, you'll see the bubbles and you'll see different cards have different little bubbles in those. Huh in the in the actual card surface itself and then you got tons and tons of scratches and you get yeah. that in optic too but yeah, can't I mean, you get chrome on, the, on on those chrome type of cards can't you do some type of like micro buffing and i'm not suggesting no even all cutting no. i mean no, that's no, something no. that everybody does no just, and, that's not changing the card you when you buff the surface of the card to deal with surface issues that's totally legit and okay for sure so we and we've talked about this in the discord a lot and, and, I, and I mentioned this to the group. I said, guys, you have to wipe your cards down. Even if you listen to the Jeremy Murray interview right. with Beckett, right? He said, look, there's some, a lot of things you can do that aren't altering or doing anything crazy. It's like well, you just go sell your car, right? You vacuum it out. You wash it. So you get a better exactly. value for it. Right. He's like, dude, wipe your card down. Get some of the, the grime off of it, right? If, if there's a scratch in the surface, you're not getting it out. Right. Some, there's people that will get it out, and that's that to me is crossing the line. Like you're buffering your card out. Um, but he's yeah, put, put it in my sleeve, wipe it down. You know, present it the right way. Put it in a sleeve in a in a top loader that's clean. 
you don't want a bunch of dust and gross stuff in there. And it's right. first impressions do mean something because these are people grading your cards ultimately. Humans, right? They're humans, yeah. Anyway, check out these stats. And shout out to Michael Rathburn. He he kind of pointed some of these out in the Discord channel, and, and we're gonna have Michael on the show soon. Um, Eighty percent of Prism Silvers get a get a ten PSA ten. It's actually it's actually about seventy six percent. He mentioned eighty percent. It's about seventy six percent. Um, isn't that crazy? Wow. Ten. <laughs> a, a PSA ten. Okay. Of the submitted Prism Silvers. 76% get a PSA 10 of the, and that's about 47,000 total prism silvers, about 5,100 total hollows submitted from last year. 55% got a PSA 10. So mm. a 20% less get PSA 10s. Not to wow. mention there's, I mean, I have a, a little off topic, but really not. I have a question about so That's about grading. the Steelers? No. <laughs> um, you know how all Chrome cards, whether it's Topps Chrome Baseball, Prism Football, Optic Basketball, doesn't matter. After a while, they start to bow. Yeah. It, you know, obviously – most people are probably, I'm assuming, are probably like me. When you see that happening, when you open an older pack of something, you know, you're trying to throw it in a sleeve and in a top loader as quickly as possible to keep it straight. Mm-hmm. But is that bowing going to affect grading? Uh, very rarely. Very Because that's just a natural occurrence Correct. of all of these cards? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, very, very rarely will it affect it. I would never worry about that. You wouldn't keep it outside of a top loader and let it continue to bow and get worse but correct yeah i mean because you're when you're ship when you're milling in a graded card right you're not you're not milling it in just a penny sleeve you're going to put it in a top loader usually a you know the 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 psa um you know graded sleeves and that that's going to flatten out a little bit and it's going to present itself well right right yeah yeah okay so check. So fifty percent. You said mm-hmm. what was the number? So it's seventy six percent and about fifty six percent of yep. Yeah. Wow. Twenty so percent less getting tens for hollows. Not and to mention not even, it's not even twenty percent. I mean, it could be the number could be much larger because you're not telling us what the total number of optic versus prism cards submitted. Yeah, here's the total number: forty six thousand, okay. almost forty seven thousand for prism silvers, fifty one hundred for hollows. Oh, so the number is much greater than 20%. It, it, insanely high. So 35 silver PSA 10s, 35,000, 2,000 PSA 10 hollows. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so the number is not 20%. Wow. Yeah. So the, yeah, the percentage, the, the hit rate is 20% lower, but the, right. the total quantity is, is mind-blowingly number. So check this out. So here's um, – I took a couple stats for Trey and for Doncic. Trey Silvers, um, you're looking at 1,385 total for Trey. Um, I'm sorry, this is actually Doncic. There's 13, almost 1,400 Doncic Silvers, 642095, so 46%. Only eight are BGS 10s. Only eight. 
Okay. Hollows for Doncic. 112 submitted. So 10% of the total Prism Silvers. Yeah. 63 or 9 fives and not one single 10. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So th- then you look at Trey, who I-, I would argue at this point, you. I'm so surprised we're not seeing as many trays as we are Doncic for any product, for any graded card, because I think he's as hot as Doncic right now, or has been for the last year. 648 total silvers submitted, 161 to 9.5. So a 25% hit rate on PSA 10s. So much lower for silver 10s and only two two PS, uh, sorry, BGS 95s and only two BGS 10s. But here's the crazy thing. For hollows, for Trey Young, 17 total submitted. What? So get this, man. I, I didn't really talk about this, but I opened about 15 cases of, of optic. I didn't pull one Trey Young hollow. <laughs> so, so obviously he was just extremely short. For anyone listening, if you want to go grab a card, go bid on a Trey Young hollow because that is, is the not printed as much. I can promise you that. I have a large sample size to back it up. <laughs> well, you know, you have a large sample size and what you just announced. Exactly. And, yep. Oh my God. Yeah. So there you go. So that was an oversight, a mistake. Sounds to me like maybe a batch of trays got ruined and they didn't insert it into the product. Ooh. Or maybe there's a batch of trays sitting in the corner of some weird warehouse that just were forgotten. Just sitting there right now. Just appreciating in value. That's a question we're going to ask Tracy Hackler when he's back on the show. <laughs> There's like Tracy, a million dollars in Trey Young Hollow <laughs> sitting in the under Tracy Young Tracy Hackler's desk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be in some repack product in the in the catacombs of Panini in Dallas. <laughs> There's just money all over the floor. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> hey guys, look what I found. <laughs> And that would gonna, make me uh, don some black clothing and a mask and just sneak in overnight. Oh, for sure. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, especially at the rate they're increasing right now. I mean, by the time you find them, they're going to be worth like $10,000 each. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny. Like, in some cases right now, the optic hollows for players are actually worth more than their prism silvers. Well, and you, based on what you just shared, you could argue that that's absolutely what they should be. Supply and demand. So how do you approach that? As a collector, right now, what what's your response to that? Do you do you start going and snagging up older year optic hollows? Do you I mean it doesn't it seem like it's a bit too late for that? I don't know. I have not looked into it to state that definitively. Yep. It just sounds to me like it's probably too late. I would argue that if you have an inkling about a guy that hasn't really hit the market strong for either prisms or hollows and you can only choose one, go after his hollows. Yep. I don't know who that guy is. Like just throw out a random second or third year, even fourth year guy that you think is just ripe for the opportunity and is going to break out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that the opportunity still exists. There's somebody out there. You're taking a bit of a flyer, 
but well, not really, right? Now you don't. You're not. Isn't, well, I'm saying you're taking a flyer in the sense that you're not going after the obvious guys. I'm saying you're choosing a second, third, fourth year guy that you think is going to hit it, but sure, you know his career may not go in that direction that you expect. Right. Not the obvious guys. The obvious guys, it's just not – unless you have those deep pockets, the obvious guys are not going to be there for the price that you want to spend. Yep. You're looking for opportunity, right? I'm sure the opportunity exists. It's just a question of whether you choose correctly. Yeah, I, I think there I think there definitely is opportunity. You're right. Like I, just the other day I was looking at part of my top 50 list of Jamal Murray's on there, right? I was trying to snag a couple of Jamal Murray's to add to the – the collection and i i was actually on Great the fence call. of trying to grab jamal murray optic hollows for a hundred or so or a prism silver for 225 and it's like I wait how are you based on what we just talked about what are you talking about you should have no, grabbed so the hollow all I, day i i you, this is as of a week ago and things uh-huh. are moving quick right now for hollows but i the last couple years from basically 2016 to 2018 those optic hollows have not caught up. They have not reacted as quick as the 2018-19 hollows. So my advice to anyone that's looking at those players from those years, go go snag the optic hollows if those look like pretty fair prices. I just have one request. Yeah. Don't publish this episode for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> Buying. Need- hold on. Hold on. Let's Let's go buy some real Five. quick. Five. I need time to do my research and buy the guys I want before this goes public. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it does make it fun. I, I really do. I th- and it, it really it presents a pretty interesting dilemma heading into Prism coming out in you know three weeks and then Optic Hollow coming out end of January. I mean, Optic in general coming out in January. I... When you say that it presents a dilemma, are you suggesting that that dilemma is something you are struggling with currently, that you are deciding between buying a lot of Prism or buying a lot of Optic? I already bought a lot of both. doesn't okay. matter, right? Same, same as every year. But the, the dilemma, I think, is in general from the, from the hobby's perspective. Do, you, do we – I mean because look, you, you can go right now and get Optic, uh, optic really hobby or retail pretty close to release prices. Retail, you can buy on some sites for SRP. If you want to go do you're that, talking about, prison, you're talking about the retail that isn't out yet. Correct. You can pre-order retail right now for Optic. Okay. On a couple different sites, and I mean, you can basically pay SRP. You were you're paying right now for Prism, almost two X SRP. Even on retail. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think because re- retail is where the silver value is, right? And so I think that's what we're right. Seeing. So are you saying hobby is also just two X right now, or that's even worse? Hobbies moved a little bit. I mean, no, hobbies much worse in prison. Right. right? right. Hobbies an nice. extraordinary amount of money right now. Um, but I mean, if, if I'm a collector, I mean, it's going to be tough to avoid prism because prism is prism and it comes out in three weeks. Um, and I just love the fact that LeBron James has his first prism. In that what? Prism. Well, no, his his first Lakers prism. So I th- I think that adds a lot of value to the product this <sighs> right. year, right? That's but interesting. Yeah. I, I uh, man, I tell you, it'd be hard not to go spend money on optic versus prism at this point. Really there's would. a few, there's a couple of guys in new uniforms that make it interesting. I mean, Kawhi in a Clippers uniform is interesting. Anthony Davis, yeah. Anthony Davis in a Lakers uniform, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Paul George. Paul George, it. yeah. yeah some Actually, Shy Gilgis as a second-year player in Oklahoma City should not be slept on. 
Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, so the question then, do you, do you think, do you think what we're seeing now is kind of a new phenomena where we're going to start to see different products just from grassroots levels start to see a bunch of excitement and people buying it up? Do you think we're going to see that more often? Or do you think this is just, that was the product that made sense and there's not a lot of these products out there? Hmm. My knee jerk is to say it's probably not going to grow far beyond it. Maybe hmm, I'm thinking as I'm talking, to be honest with you, there are a couple of other products that make me that this topic makes me think about like revolution. Galactics and or you mean like just in general revolution? Um, I think that there's the potential for excitement and investment beyond just the galactics. You have other short printed cards that based on this type of focus and hype could could have could, could see a boost. Um, my inkling is to say though that it doesn't go much further beyond prism and optic. Uh, you know because the, ba- the the other side of this equation is obviously that there is no shortage of products that Panini's putting out there at the higher end that's focused entirely on hits. And I would say arguably very little shortage of people that are still focused on hits. So I feel like Optic and Prism really really do it. But then again, I mean, it's, uh, seeing the hollow phenomenon in just very short recent history is – it's only the second product for this to happen to. You can easily make the argument that there's a lot more room and a lot more people that still want those types of cards at that kind of value. It's a question of whether or not that product is out there. Is that product revolution? Is it a product we haven't seen yet? I don't know. It's definitely that's that to me is a very fun conversation because agreed. I, yeah. I would argue that Panini can easily cut anywhere from two to five of their higher end products out of the lineup. Yep. And easily add another product like prism or optic where the focus is more so on the card than the auto or the hit. Agreed. I I do think from a sheer non numbered base slash base refractor, I don't think there's enough room to add a third big one. Because I think you reach that certain point where you don't really look at any point in any sport within the hobby where there's there's three main rookie cards. And yeah. I think you start to cannibalize one of the other two if there's probably. a third. Right. So I think I think optic and prism will probably end up being the two. It's kind of like right the Bowman versus Tops thing in baseball. Yeah. You get yeah. that. And then every every couple of years you'll get the the rise of you know the the heritage rookies. Is that is that the true rookie this year? Because the guy didn't get a, a you know a rookie in tops or Bowman. So I think I think there's a little bit of that, but I think what we'll start to see is more gravitation towards some of the really short printed stuff like Galactics. That again, there's supply. There's not a lot of it, and. And there's other short printed stuff out there that has yet to get popular. Short yeah. printed stuff that uh, you know is is of the last year, two years, three years, and that certainly will come out this year. That probably won't be all that popular immediately, 
that certainly has room for a lot of folks to to get excited about how much how how much do you think being able to go pull this opticalo or this prism silver both at a hobby shop and at the target down the street from you how much do you think that plays into this enormously okay i totally agree enormously because whether it's you're a guy like me that just likes going to target likes going to walmart has enough reason to go to either for other reasons in life like taking care of family stuff household stuff and hey i'm taking a trip down the sports car aisle every time um even though i have access to a hobby shop you know what i'd rather stick closer to srp prices and not have to pay gouged out prices for less quantity and i not you know then that simple and plain period yep um and that obviously doesn't even come close to mentioning the whole fact that you've got probably the majority of folks out there that are not anywhere close to a hobby shop that retails their only opportunity yeah. unless they want to buy online and wait you know but if you're talking about that quick satisfaction of going to a store grabbing something and opening it either on the way home in the car <laughs> you know, yeah the drink, don't, don't rip and drive but you know <laughs> Um, that's our shirt right there. That's our shirt. I have to, I have to pay homage to rip Kings. That's kind of like on YouTube, their logo says don't rip and drive. Oh, well, there you go. We can't steal that. We can't steal that. Um, but there's something to be said for that, you know? And, uh, I don't think that part of the kind of that, I think that's the part of the hobby that no matter where you are in life that kind of takes you back to a bit of a childhood moment of grabbing a pack at a corner yeah. store rushing home with it especially if you pulled something exciting yeah you know? agree oh, someone just twisted their ankle i'm watching the lakers game as we're talking by the way they're playing <laughs> uh the golden state warriors mm. and hello uh, it was kcp had a little oh, ankle turn bummer yeah whatever all right that's a good time to take a break I cannot wait for this second segment, by the way. And if you're listening, thank you because you've waited 45 minutes. But we're we're gonna break down, we're gonna break down some of the funny ironies of of being an adult in the hobby. And it's been a long time coming because we joke about this way too often. And we're just gonna we're gonna throw some of these out there and see if you guys can relate. So, do you know how hard it is to get the attention of someone in the hobby? If you own a business, group breaking business, sports card business, supplies business, this is your chance. Because if you're listening to this, that means somebody else is listening to this as well. And you have an opportunity to tell us, to tell them why we should spend money with you. Email podcast at breakaculture.com for some options on how you can sponsor the next episode. Back to the show. All right, we're back. So I cannot wait to talk about this topic because you and I joke about this so often, Shani. Just the ironies, the little nuances, the little things that trigger inside of you as a as a 35-year-old, 40-year-old man 
collecting this hobby. So you and I both okay. jotted down a couple things, and then I think it's gonna. This is just gonna build off of it. <laughs> the conversation. Yeah. Um, you excited about this as much as I am? I am. It's gonna be a fun conversation. <laughs> so as you're listening, I've got quite a few. Do you? Yeah. Uh, awesome. So I, as a listener, I hope you're. Uh, we definitely love to know your thoughts and kind of what what moments you have in the hobby where you're just like you're. You're realizing, you know what? Gosh darn it, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so l- let me start with the first one because you and I both brought this up the other day. But uh, we've both realized that as we collect, we have this we have this ability now to walk into a Target or Walmart, and I do this almost consistently. I feel like every time I look at a guy who's not with his family. Now with his wife, by himself, no matter what, if he's 20 years old or older, I immediately size him up and I think, gosh darn it, that guy's going in to buy cards that I want. <laughs> it could be in the parking lot. It could be down the milk aisle. I think that guy's in there for one reason, and that's to buy cards. Am I crazy? Completely. No, I think the same thing. Every single dude I see in the store, on the way to the store... <laughs> Trying to, buy, trying to drive down the highway faster than me. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're not beating me. I'm getting there first, and I'm getting what I want before you can even sniff it. Yeah, no question. And then it's even worse. I start sweating when I see a dude actually in no. the aisle. No. T- t- what do, what do you, you know? mean by that? You mean like you get nervous? I mean, or like, Yeah, if I'm walking towards the cards and there's a dude there before me, I'm like, oh, damn. He's either got what I want or has already felt up every pack. I will say this. I I, I get pretty heated, and, and I haven't – I'm not trying to get in trouble, first of all. I'm not going to start stuff in a store like that because even though you might be on higher ground, you're going to get in just as much trouble as anybody would if you started an argument that you know people had to come in and get involved with. But – I see a guy just feeling up every pack and leaving a complete mess behind him, and I'm just enraged. You know, I haven't actually seen it too many times, but it just happened the other day. And the worst thing about it was he wasn't just leaving a mess. He was doing it in front of his 10-year-old kid. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, damn, man. And the sick – I mean, really, I couldn't believe this. The most ironic part of it, the 10 year old kid looked at me like he was embarrassed of his father. Oh, this is getting deep. And I was like, Oh, that's rough. Hmm. But only happened once happened recently and happened to me, but I actually, I like where you're starting, but I'm going to go even a little bit. So real quick, real quick, real, real quick. So, so to take that another level, I feel like there's many times where I'm not just looking at a dude walking into the store, but as he's walking out, <laughs> I'm looking his in his bag. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing looking in this guy's bag, thinking like I'm gonna, I'm looking for the outline of a blaster box or something in there. I'm thinking, <laughs> did, should I even go in if he's got him in there? You know, like. <laughs> Totally. All right, you're laughing, so you obviously do that too. Oh, That's definitely, good. definitely. It's so funny. <laughs> All 
All right. I, what got. I was going to say is I want to take it a little bit further back because we're already talking about like the, the buying, being in a store, seeing other people. As an adult in the hobby, one of the things that I find myself kind of in, in a bit of an awkward moment sometimes is when I'm explaining to somebody who's not anywhere near the hobby, just mm -hmm. someone else about my personal interests. Someone's asked me, what do you like to do? Okay, golf, what else, whatever. And I say, oh, you know, I collect sports cards. Really? How many do you have? Um, I can't count that high. Sports cards. And I realize in just a few moments of conversation, they think I've said sports cars like Corvettes, Ferraris, Lamborghinis. So the and respect level goes like through the high. roof. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Well, for a brief second. And then it's immediately downhill because it's like, wait, are you trying to tell me you have like more sports cars than you can even count? And you're just that braggadocious and gross about it? And I get these cross-eyed looks like, what are you talking about? And then when I clarify and say, no, 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 cards, not cars, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I think I my go. nephew collects them. <laughs> and he's eight. Like, what? You're in your 40s and you collect sports cards? <laughs> I'm like, uh, next. Or, or, or is it even worse when they say, oh, that's awesome. I have a bunch of cards in my house that I'd oh, love God. for you to look at. Or, I would so much rather someone look at me in disdain, like uh, you need to break out of your childhood and stop collecting those stupid little cards totally. versus, oh, I got all these cards. Can you come over and look at them? And maybe, maybe you could sell them for me. I'll split the profit with you. I'm like, oh, I can't bite that penny in half for you, buddy. Oh, my goodness. For <laughs> sure. I, I've done it probably no less than five times where someone has actually brought cards over to me. And yeah. it, I I hate to break it to them, and I've I've gotten a lot better at this. I just tell people like, look, they're probably not worth anything. If you have something modern day, or if you have Michael Jordans, then let's talk. Or Mickey Mantles. But yeah, that's no fun. Yeah, you never want to completely turn them down either, because you don't want to be rude. I just saw that John Morant take, by the way. Incredible, oh right? man. Yeah, so he, he just, is so game nice. Winner, game winner against Charlotte tonight was. Mm, yeah, very, very pretty. He is nice. I don't. I don't want to turn them down either because I don't want to be that guy and I want to be nice. It's more often than not a good person or even a friend. Also, for that once in a – it hasn't happened yet. It's always been junk wax era stuff. But for that occasion, one day that comes because it's going to come that that person says I got a bunch of stuff and it happens to be pre-war era yep. stuff. Right. And I'm like, ah – Cold mine. Fine, we'll split it. Finally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. We'll split. We'll split it. Fine. Okay. It might be worth something. I'm gonna cap your profit at five G's, and they're gonna be like, <laughs> "Yes, five G's." <laughs> um, all right. So I'm gonna take us back, back to the store. Okay. Am I the only one that has those moments where I just feel? really insecure about sitting in the parking lot, opening up my cards, and then having that moment where I think, do I go back in and do I get more? 
Yeah, I, I mean, if you're talking to me and I'm your only audience right now at the moment, I would say yes because I have zero embarrassment about that. Uh, see that <laughs> you're the guy that records videos of you talking in the aisle for the <laughs> Patreon group. So this is the wrong guy to ask. Yeah, probably. But I'm also the guy that when I'm by myself buying, if I have a you know six or seven blasters, there's been times where I felt very insecure and I've just said, oh, yeah, they're for my, you know, my kid's baseball team. And it's like, <laughs> what am I, I – what is going on with me? But all right, I guess I'm I guess I'm just the anomaly. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? Let's let's hear some feedback from our guys, but I personally don't feel bad about it. I'll go back in. Okay. Well, okay. I, you know, let me say this. I I get frustrated a little bit from the reaction that I will get sometimes from staff. I'm not worried about other patrons, other customers just like me, but sometimes the staff will give me a stank eye like you again. I'm like, come on, don't give me flack. What is, I'm just a regular customer, you know? I just happen to be into this stuff and not that stuff. So, I don't know. I'll stay in the store with something. Okay. And that is a couple of different scenarios that all I, I would say fall into the, a similar category, which are when somebody else shows up. Like, what do you do when a kid comes to the aisle and starts looking around or a kid with a parent or a parent clearly looking for a gift, whether it's for their kid or someone else's kid? Do you just shut up, maybe even walk away because you're embarrassed or do you lend a hand? Ooh. I, I find myself more often than not, and it does depend to a certain degree on that person's appearance, but I, I like having a chat and lending a hand. I've talked to quite a few people that know nothing about the hobby, and by the end of our five, ten-minute conversation, they know exactly what they want to buy, and they're walking away saying thank you. That's what I love about you, by the way, which is amazing. Am I being honest and telling them to buy the right thing or not? <laughs> okay, see, there we You're go. Just steering them away. I just lost all I respect. No, no, no. I'm always <laughs> telling them exactly. You're right. like, hey, look, the Goodwin <laughs> Champions right there, guaranteed to make your money right there. Right. <laughs> um, or in your case, the uh, holiday boxes, which you can't stand. Well, I, I don't like the snowflake versions at Walmart. That's all. <laughs> it's just weird, but um, no, well, I I don't. I guess I don't. I don't go enough <laughs> to face those situations. I honestly can't think of a time where I haven't been with my kids anyway, so it's not that awkward. Or I'm standing there with other kids and other adults. But do you? Are you shopping enough to where you run into adults and kids frequently? I couldn't really give you a frequency on it. I can just tell you that it's happened on a number of occasions. Like, I mean, I'll be honest, I, 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 I can certainly say that more often than not, I'm in that aisle alone for the entirety of the time that I'm in a store. Yep. But no question, there have been occasions where I'm in that aisle and yes, a, a kid comes by and they're, they're like grabbing a pack of score from last year. And I'm like, nah, kid, I'll give you an extra couple bucks to get the right pack. Don't get that, you know? Yeah, right. Um, 
stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's happened a handful of times. I mean, look, put it to you this way. I, I, I don't have a problem admitting, especially on our show, that I'm hitting up a store at least three times a week. So what? my opportunities are far greater, you know? Yes, very true. And But here's the thing about you, right? You're not the guy that's going in and buying everything off the shelves. You're going and you're grabbing a couple blasters, a couple right. rack packs, and you're kind of mixing it up and you're leaving stuff for everybody, which is absolutely totally fair approach. Um, okay. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll keep it in the store realm one more time. I can't tell you how many times, and, and I'm, I'm just not real good directionally. I mean, I kind of get where to go, but I'm not great. I've been so frustrated that someone hasn't come up with an idea of how to map all your targets and Walmarts in the city. <laughs> Give me the best route to go see all these different targets and Walmarts in one fail swoop. I, I create a different route every time when I'm going to different targets and Walmarts whenever that happens and I'm tired of it. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, all right. So what about – let's talk – all right. So let's talk real quick then about – your wife well that, that's not your wife but wives in general right so i mean oh how many God. times how many times have you said oh my gosh honey this this product's hot I, I could totally flip this for double or i can i'm gonna make my money back see i don't even go there does your wife ask are you i mean no. i'm past that point with my wife she understands but there was many, many years of that for me. I would say I'm still somewhere in there where it's not complete understanding, but we're pretty much past the asking phase. And it's kind of more like a don't ask, don't tell phase. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you do a decent enough job to keep from having cards all over the freaking house, then we'll be okay. And then in addition, you know, like maybe once a year, I'll get the, uh, you got to slow down a bit on your spending. That's and actually, to be honest with you, I haven't had that probably in a longer period of time that it's not even once a year. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it was a couple years ago when you and I talked about this. Right, and I've gotten just wiser. I've, I, in many ways, I've gotten smarter about how much to spend, when to spend it, mm -hmm. how to get it back, all over. You know, just time has given me the opportunity to really just get better at this hobby. So, it's not a, it's, it's, you know, it's just not something that's affecting other things at all i shouldn't even say as much because it's probably not at all anymore i've gotten to the point where i'm sustaining myself within the hobby without having to without my wife even having to notice it quite frankly um okay other than like i said before other than notice like i do i have a little desk in the corner of the living room that's all mine where that's pretty much where i keep like most recent stuff and stuff that's going for sale the bulk is hidden away in a closet that she can't really she knows where it is she can see it if she wants to but it's pretty much out of her sight 
and then another little section of stuff that's downstairs in my home office. Again, an area she doesn't have to see. I think because I've got that one section in the living room, it is probably the most unwise area that I kind of commandeered. But it's mine now, and I'm not giving it up. So you're not giving it up. Sure, prime real estate. You, uh, I, I think that's the key. You've, because I can't tell you how many times I've said, I promise to get these cleaned up. No, really, right. I will get these cleaned up. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Okay. There so, was. Let me say this though. There was definitely a period where. My, I'm gonna get a little bit, a little bit deeper here oh for a moment. Gosh. I got, you know, it's just, it's worth, it's a worthy explanation though. I was going through a bit of a tough time in life. It's not worth going deep into what was going on, but suffice it to say that, you know, my wife was very well aware and very supportive. Yep. And this my, is for you. there's no question. And, yep. and there was a question whether to, according to my wife, right, her opinion was that the amount of time I'm putting into the hobby, it represents to her a bit more of an escape than she would like to see and would rather see that energy focused a bit more on actually dealing with some of those issues that mm. got to that point, right? So I think she had, it's not that she had a valid point or not a valid point. I fully understood her perspective. Yep. And I needed her to understand where the hobby fit and that it wasn't in a, in a, that it was certainly an escape and she was absolutely right about that, but it was a healthy one. And that it, if it had ever become an unhealthy escape, then certainly we would have to deal with it, but it never did. And because I was so focused on dealing with what was going on and committed to dealing with what was going on, and she knew that it, it never became more of a problem than that. Right. Um, but if it could have gone very differently, and I think there are people out there that are probably dealing with something similar, and you know, just I, I, don't kid yourself. People, the people around you that love you know what's going on, and if it becomes too much of an issue, whether you're either spending too much money that you really can't afford or too much time and it's taking away from some other important things in your life, don't think that people aren't noticing it. Hmm. You're kidding yourself, right? It's a hobby and it's a great hobby and it's a good escape in many ways when it's used for that reason. But anything that you do in excess, whether it's a hobby or worse things out there, you know, it, it's just something that you can do at the expense of relationships if you're not careful. Well um, said. Yeah. That's a very, very important reminder. I would completely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I want you to answer this. How many times have you either told your wife, hey, do you need anything from Target? I was thinking about running up there to grab something. Anything I can pick up for you as a way <laughs> for you to get there. Or if you've done this, I'm going to be so impressed. Have you taken the boldest step possible and asked your wife to look to see if there were cards at Target for you? I've done both many times. Wow. 
Absolutely. I will say this. It has gotten to the point where my wife has come to completely rely on me doing all of the household shopping because her attitude, I think, and, and rightfully so, if you're going to go to Target anyway, and I know you want to. If you're going to go three times a week, then you why should probably would I, go shopping for us. Why would I bother ever going there again unless I'm going for something that's for me and personal that I don't want you to deal with, right? If I'm looking for something that I just want to look for that's for me. Otherwise, I'm sending you with a list. And if you want to go buy cards, don't think you're going and just taking care of your card thing. You're going and taking care of stuff for the house. And you know what? I'm 100% okay with that. Love it. It, it, love it. it, it gives me not oh, – it's not an excuse anymore. It gives yeah. me the right. There you go. You know? It's a rite of passage. And then you know, since I'm, ar- I'm yeah. already <laughs> – I don't know about that, but – you know, I don't. I don't have to justify it at all because right. I'm. I'm really there to pick up some milk and eggs and cheese and all the whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say it's a funny thing that we end up spending a lot. We end up buying a lot more of our groceries from Target than we ever did in the past, which is actually pretty stupid. It is, yeah. There's so much. The, the groceries at other places are so much better. It doesn't even matter which other place we're talking about. Target's groceries are next to the worst. Yeah. And if, for sure, if you're talking produce, forget about it. Hmm. But that's a funny thing. Thankfully, most of the Targets I go to specifically are very close to supermarkets. Um so I can kind of hit two birds with one stone, so to speak. Are you riding a roller coaster, or what's going on there? Did you hear that creakiness? <laughs> is that your back? And it is. I live in a 100-year-old home with wooden floors. I even if I could try to draw a path to walk through this house to not make noise, it would be impossible. There's a creak with every step. That'll pay off when your kids are. 15, oh, yeah. 16, 17. When they're teenagers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So speaking of kids, it's a great transition. So let's let's wrap up with a couple of the <clears throat> ironies, the funny little things we do with our kids in the hobby. And here, here's here's I have two. There's the first one where and I love to open up cards with my kids, right? It's it's a it's a really fun thing I like doing with them. And uh, in fact, they've actually been recording their own videos of opening cards and they want me to edit them and they're doing like the card brothers. Oh, that's really cool. It's going to be really fun. I'm excited because they, they've actually done a couple of really fun ones and they're really good in front of the camera, but I'm trying not to let them be so consumed with YouTube and all that stuff. But anyway, beside the point, how many times do you, you see them open that, they pull a card out for their own and you just... You just can't take it, and you grab the card. You're like, ah, you know, hold on, let me put that in the sleeve for you. Let you understand? Let me let me sleeve that for you real quick. And they're just like, really, Dad? This is like, this is my cool every card. time, every <laughs> single time they open a pack of anything, even if it's Pokemon, and they say, oh, this is value. I'm like, get it in a sleeve. What are you doing? Oh man, it's funny. Like I can even recall hearing my subconscious voice saying. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, They'll have, for they have sure. to learn. And as I'm saying that to myself, You're out card. of my mouth, I'm saying, quit holding it like that. 
What's wrong with you? You're ruining the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the next level where you you even tell your son, and I've done this a couple of times, and each time I'm like, this is terrible. I tell my son he can't keep the card because I need to sell to pay for that box. <laughs> Almost every time we've hit something that's worth more than $20. <laughs> He's like, man, I thought that was my box, Dad. I'm like, well, it is, except for that card. My son is into basketball like us, and he plays. He's in, the, in like, the throes of his playing years. And so he, he's very into specific players. And there have been occasions where we've pulled that guy that he likes a lot, and he's like, you're not selling this card. Before I could even say a word, he's telling me, this is mine. You're not selling it. And I'm like, yeah, well. It's already on eBay. You better hide it well because <laughs> it's going up on eBay. I definitely have relented and allowed him to keep certain things. I just don't see the point of having him enjoy this hobby with me if I can't give him that satisfaction and joy. Plus, if I want him to stick with it a little bit with me, I've already seen them pull away significantly from the hobby. Hmm. And you know, my, my oldest is older than your kids. Yep, It's probably something that, well, I shouldn't say probably something you're going to deal with, but, you know, it's it's something you could potentially deal with like I am. Like, you know, once in a blue moon, he'll see some of the stuff and he'll, he'll either want me to show him what we've got. And when I say we, he, he does still have the attitude that all this stuff is partially his. And I want him to think that. Yeah, like I, that's amazing. I foster that. But far less interested in, on a day-to-day basis. And... You know, short and and when and, and the only interest he has left at all is the process of opening stuff. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we're done opening the last pack, he's out. There's no, there's not going to be any help sorting from him. Right. You know. So they were they were far more into it a couple early on. And so <laughs> I think one of the funnier anecdotes about the irony of collecting is when I continue today to say I collect with my kids, which is how it started, which is what got me back into the hobby. But the reality of today is that my kids are barely involved anymore. Yeah. And it's really all about me sticking with it hmm. and trying to keep the spark alive a little bit for them. So just like us, we went through that phase where we stepped away and then oh, yeah. we came back. And not to say that our kids would. Right. I didn't step away at this age. I didn't step away until the end of high school. Yeah, same here. Actually, yeah. Early. Exactly. And beginning of college. Whereas my kids are already stepping. They're not even in high school yet. And they're stepping away. But, you know, I think it's both that they have other things going on. Mm -hmm. They're not. Neither of them are as big a sports fan as I ever was. Like Mm -hmm. my my sports fandom far supersedes. I think what they'll ever be. And I think that's partially a reflection of today and just who they are growing up in their day and age. Sure. I think being a sports fan is different today than it was when we were growing up. Period. Yep. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, just in general, so many more distractions that they have. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, growing up, I was entirely into sports. There was almost nothing else. 
for me when I was a kid. When I was their age, there was nothing else. I was yep. either playing a sport or watching a sport. Right. There was literally no other hobby. Yep. <clears throat> um, but yeah, my kids, they have many other things. And uh, I, I'm not sure I would even want to distract them from some of the, a lot of those other things because some of the stuff that they are involved in, I, I think, is cool. Um, well, I think what we've noticed, Shani, is that based on our experience, there is a future in this hobby. Let me look at our success for a podcast. This is a great example, kids, of why you should keep sticking with something. <laughs> I'm totally being sure. facetious here. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what you were <laughs> We're just two normal guys doing a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go to school, kids. Get an education. <laughs> Stay in school. Stay in school. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I love it. Do you, do you have any more or are you good? Uh, I'm good. I'm sure I have more, but... I think this is uh, one of those things that I think we should – it's definitely not in every episode segment, but it's like one of those things we've got to revisit every like few months. We do. We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to integrate that segment in. We'll come up with a good name for it. But yeah, I think uh, being an adult in this hobby, and there's lots of – we all deal with adults, I think is, is really a unique thing. And there's so many fun things that we all kind of deal with either in the forefront of our mind or the back of our mind. I think it's just fun to get them out there it and is. talk about them. It we is. would love to know your thoughts. Put them in the Discord channel. If you're not a part of the Discord, you got to jump into that. The community is alive and active in the Discord room. Sydney, you're not even in it for the love. Um, it's um, 150 um, people in there or whatever. It's horrible. And uh, we've been there sharing one, some There is one fun. last thing I would want to say, which is – the minute anyone ever gives you flack about this, and I'm I'm quick to say this, quite frankly, it, not in an argumentative way, not at all, but just very simply, you know, but what are you doing to keep that kid in you alive and kicking? Because this is pretty much it for me. I don't really have anything else that keeps that that youthful spirit going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got my kids to keep it going, and I play sports with them and that kind of thing, but. For me, by me, like something I focus on. This hobby keeps me excited like a little kid sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone needs a little something like that. And if you don't have it, you're missing out on something that kind of just keeps that part of your spirit alive. And I'm quick to tell people about that. You know, if they want to continue to judge me, have at it. I got thick skin. Yes, you do. <laughs> I'm going to test that thick skin next week when I'm with your family. I'm going to ask your wife. I'm going to have her verify Ooh. everything we've talked about. Ooh, yeah, do it, man. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Go take care of your cramp. Great talking to you. Uh, it went away while we were talking. Thank God. Oh, good. All right. I was pretty scared there. <laughs> Freaking out a little bit, uh, but I'm good. All right. Have a good night. Good talking to you, Ty. You too. See you, Shane.